0: Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold. How often do you study the book of Judges? I didn't think so. I didn't think so, but we're going to do it today. My guest is uh, Dr. David Trout Lamb. He has done extensive teaching and a lot of cross cultural projects in places like Nigeria, Mexico, Kazakhstan, and Russia. I have no idea why he talks to me. It's uh, amazing. So, We're going to find out exactly what we need to learn, some of the weird things in the book of Judges, so get your Bible open and your notebook out. David, welcome. Nice to have you back.
1: Bill, it's always a delight to join you. Um, Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Uh, When you say that, you actually sound like you mean it, which I really appreciate. (laughs) I do. That's what I mean. You really do sound like you mean it.
1: Uh, Oh, yeah. It's it's always a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, there's always that cordiality at the beginning, like, you know, welcome to the show. It's nice to be here, you know, all that stuff. But when you say it, I, I go... You're really glad to be doing this. It makes me happy.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's my pleasure. I love talking about the Bible, and I love talking about it with you, Bill.
0: Yeah. And um, I, I always want to let my listeners know that uh, you've got books, and we're going to talk about those throughout the show. But we're really going to dig into the book of Judges today, which is going to be fun, and there are plenty of weird things in the book of Judges. i got to be honest.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, I, I teach—I spend a lot of my life in the w- world of the Old Testament, and it's, you know, the Old Testament's kind of like the, the Wild West part of the Bible. Everything's just—it's a lot of, of bizarre stuff, a lot of wonderful stuff. But justice yeah. is kind of—maybe have a, has a higher concentration of, of just wild uh, narratives, um, kind of weird ones, um, f- humorous ones, and then some really disturbing ones, yeah.
0: yeah. Let my— let me take a second to just let my listeners know you are the McRae Professor of Old Testament and Dean of the Faculty at Missio Seminary, which I believe is in Philly, isn't it?
1: Yeah. A couple of years ago, we re- relocated from Philly suburbs um, right into the heart of the city, about uh, eight, 10 blocks north of Independence Hall.
0: Oh, awesome. And what is life like in Philly nowadays?
1: Well, I mean, it's, uh, uh, you know, the, the Sixers are doing well. so um, we're <laughs> Yeah works are good. Um, you know, um, you know, it's, it's like it is anywhere else. I mean, you know, it's just struggling with, yeah. with COVID and um, trying to uh, make sense of what God is doing in the midst of this pandemic. Um, but, you know, we, we um, church, uh, I just found out my Sunday school, uh, class at my church. Um, we're going to be able to start meeting um, face-to-face, we're so we're excited about it. Uh, we've been meeting on Zoom for a long time, and I know a lot of the churches in the Philadelphia area are kind of doing the same thing, like I'm sure a lot of churches all over the country and in the Midwest um, as well. So, yeah, things are good, and, you know, it's the light at the end of the tunnel. I yeah, think. yeah,
0: indeed. So, David, as we talk about the the book of Judges, there seems to be cycles of evil and good in that book. Is that fair?
1: yeah I mean uh, there's uh you know the, the i mean reading through the book of judges for some of us might re- remind us of kind of of the ups and downs of in our lives sure right you know um we go through periods where you know you're you're close to God things are going great um and then something happens, and you know you, it just um sickness illness um hopefully hopefully you're not being conquered by any philistines <laughs> right. that's just, that doesn't happen to any of us but um uh, yeah, there's um, uh, scholars talk about the cycles. Basically, the Israelites do evil, um, and God allows them to be conquered by, you know, one of their the Moabites or the Midianites or the Philistines or some of these other peoples. Um, and then they cry out to God for help and say, you know, God, deliver us. And God sends a deliverer, um, you know, uh um uh, Deborah or Gideon, um, or Jephthah or Samson, some of the more famous ones. And um and then uh God sends it puts a spirit on that person and um and then they have some kind of military victory. Um but yeah, so it's it is it's very very cyclical it's kind of like reruns of Gilligan's <laughs> island or something i don't know now you're talking my you language yeah yeah.
0: yeah so does god allow evil to to bring us back to himself
1: well i mean it, it seems like god is doing that in the book of in the book of judges uh god is you know allowing these foreign um emp- uh, nations and, it, and it, you know the text makes it really clear that you know, the Israelites did evil on the side of the Lord, and so He handed them over to their enemies. Um, and sometimes that la- lasted for a long time, but um, in each case, once to they once they got to the point where they really were in a bad way, they cried out to God, and God did send send a deliverer. So it does seem like God is using um, these. Um, Really horrible, evil um, circumstances um, to force people to be dependent upon him, and I mean, I, 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 it, it is a little troubling on some level. But if we want to think about if being in relationship with God is the best thing for us, then it's. I think it's actually good that God can use, can allow bad things to happen to us if that puts us in a place where we are more likely to um, cry out to God for help. I mean, I think something comparable happened with Saul on the road to uh, Damascus. Um, Jesus appeared and blinded Saul, and there was something about that uh, experience. And as you read through the book of Acts, (laughs) Saul just keeps, Saul slash Paul, just keeps retelling that story of how God um, met him. And through that blindness, called him back to himself. And I think we see something comparable throughout the book of Judges that God is the God is using. Now I don't think I don't think just because um we need to be careful to say you know if someone gets sick, we need not to say, well, you know, God is punishing you, trying to bring you back into a uh, into a relationship with him somehow. I think it's not uh we we need to we need to be careful. I mean it takes wisdom to know how to, to understand these things. But I think Sometimes it is pretty clear. There have been a couple of points in my life where um, I think God was at work going through my suffering to force me to spend more time praying, to to spend more time, like the people in the book of Judges do, calling out to God and asking him to to meet me, speak to me, um, uh, work in my life, heal me, or whatever. And so I think think a lot of people have experienced things like what happens in the book of Judges. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. David, when I'm, uh, like in Judges chapter 3, and starting in verse 15, it says, Again, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and he gave them a deliverer, Ehud, a left-handed man. So he's, what, God sends a left-handed assassin?
1: What's with this? (laughs) And he straps his double-edged
0: sword, a cubit long, which he straps to his right thigh under his clothing? What a cool guy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and again, um, so the the context of, I I, I love the fact that Bill told you, you all, the listeners, to, Pull out your Bibles now. Again, if you're, you're 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 driving, you probably don't want to be doing that. But um, you know, for those of you guys who hey, have an opportunity to pull out your Bible, yeah, Judges three. So Ehud was the deliverer that God used, while e- eglon These names are awesome. Eglon was the king of Moab, and I like to think of Eglon as a little bit like Jabba the Hutt.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> so, and I hope I hope at least a few people have heard of Jabba the Hutt. So um, Star Wars, right? Big, heavy cruel, oppressive ruler. And that's kind of what Eglon was like. But God worked through Ehud, um, who was brought to you know, brought in to see King Eglon of Moab to present a tribute, a gift, because Eglon was, you know, again like Jabba the Hud, he was the person in charge and he was extracting money from all the people that he was oppressing. But because Ehud was left handed Um, he was able to put his sword and kind of hide it on his right thigh where it it couldn't be found (laughs) when he goes in to to meet with King Eglon, Mm -hmm. uh, Eglon of Moab. And um, and he goes in, and he ends up killing uh, Eglon. And it's pretty clear that God is somehow... um, allowing this approving of this assassination because god is using um ehud to deliver the people and um and after uh ehud kills eglon um uh and i won't go into all the details it it, 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 it read the story you got to read the story of, um, from judges chapter um chapter 3 but the 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 nation of Israel has kind of rebellion um, because the person in charge, there's chaos. And God is clearly at work in this situation, even working through this left-handed assassin, Ehud, to bring about deliverance for his people. Um, And at at the end of of the story, it says the, the land had rest for 80 years. And during that time, they were, a sh- a shalom is the word there, um, that they were at peace with the the, the people of Israel, um, the people of Israel were peace, at peace with their neighbors. And um, yeah, so it's a little bit unusual, but God is kind of always working through people that we uh, don't always expect.
0: Boy, isn't that the truth? That is time and time again in Scripture. Yeah, yeah. All right, David, let me take a little break. Uh, Dr. David uh, Lamb is my guest. And if you've ever had a question on anything in the book of Judges, <laughs> now is your time. It is your moment. You can text me the question, 877 And I'll even throw it out to say even maybe something beyond Judges, because David's an Old Testament scholar. And if you've got a burning question that you definitely need answered by dinner time tonight, Eight seven seven nine three three two four eight four. 933 2484 Be right back. Dr. David T. Lamb, and we're so glad to be talking to you about the book of Judges, and you can always go to davidtlamb.com to learn more about David and his books, uh, God Behaving Badly is a book, Prostitutes and Polygamists. Um, Is that a book or is that an article you you wrote?
1: Uh, It's a book, Yeah. Uh Yeah. And uh, prostitutes, pilgrims, a look at love Old Testament style. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when you were encouraging listeners to read Judges chapter 3, which I think is a great idea, and we are talking about Ehud, who was an assassin, before we get off this topic, what does God feel, or does he approve of assassination? What's your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, that's a a, a hard question. I mean, one of the things that's difficult is often the text will just tell a story— and because we think this story is in the Bible, that God is fully um, endorsing everything in God's Word. Um, But the reality, I think, is it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, I think the text of of Judges 3 is suggesting that, I mean, the text makes it clear that God raised up this guy. Um, um, But um, in terms of was God actually <laughs> kind of endorsing um, sort of assassinations in general? Um, and I, I think we have to be really careful. I mean, the, 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 the deciding our our ethics based on a, a just you know a particular story in the Bible is we got to be cautious about that. And I think that God was clearly working through Ehud to raise up the the uh, to throw off the shackles of the the Moabite oppression, but I think to to say um, it's just a little bit more a little bit more difficult to say God approves of assassination. I think God did approve of Ehud here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but in terms of him, uh, you know, this is not meant to be normative, or uh, this is not meant to kind of uh, the way that God is normally working. God is. God's very creative and he's always, he's not He's doing, he works in different ways in different times in different seasons, particularly throughout the Bible. And I think um, God worked through Ehud in a specific way. Um, the text never says that God was, you know, was pleased um, about the way um, Ehud mm-hmm. uh, carried out his mission. Um, and And so I think we're left to um, kind of figure out, uh, out a little bit more for ourse- ourselves and i i'm i'm a little bit um i don't know what the best word is i'm a little um uh, ambivalent about um, how this happened but clearly god worked and the the people were were rescued as a result and so um yeah i, I bill what do you think
0: <laughs> well i'm i i'm just really would much prefer i listen to you uh, it seems that you know <laughs> okay. i'm going to follow your lead on this it sounds like okay. you know ehud was approved of uh, by god because yeah. that's what he yeah. was what he was doing but yeah. the whole idea of assassination i mean i was thinking too of taking out osama bin laden when we did that was that yeah. a good idea yeah
1: yeah and I, I think I, I mean i guess the 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 question that always comes up is do the ends justify the yeah. means um, and uh, and the the assumption is always that um, that the answer to that is no. Um, but you know, um, yeah, Osama bin Laden is a great example. Um, you know, the the assassination attempt attempts on um, on Adolf Hitler in World War II, uh, another classic example. And I know Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was a a firm, a strong Christian, who was you know, he was initially opposed to this. Type of thing, but he actually participated, at least on some level, in a plot to bring down Adolf Hitler. And there's hard, it's hard. It's hard for me not to think if Hitler had died uh, a year or two earlier, would you know thousands, hundreds of thousands, perhaps even millions of lives been spared? And um, it gets messy. Yeah, but I do think there are times when um, God works through what might appear to us be really messy or non-ideal circumstances but um I think God I think God was working through Ehud um, in in this attempt. Mhm. Oh so, yeah.
0: Yeah. Dave, let's talk about some of the women that we meet in the book of Judges. Sure. Where, where yeah. do we start? So,
1: um, the, Deborah the, maybe? The, there's there's a bunch. I mean, you know, there's um you know throughout as we see throughout scripture there's kind of positively portrayed women and negatively portrayed women some of the women in in the life of samson um are um kind of portrayed as uh, seductress um but you know in chapter four of judges we see this woman deborah who was a really impressive woman uh god uses her she's a prophet prophetess um and judge of the whole nation um but, and God is, speaks through her to basically raise up um, Barak and an army, um, and uh, through Deborah's leadership and Barak's leadership, the nation of Israel um, gets deliverance um, from against King Jabin uh, of the Canaanites. But the, the, the story that's really interesting, uh, hidden in the midst of this, is the story of this woman, Jael. Um, and Sisera, so bear with me a little bit, I'll, tr- I'll try to make it clear. Um, so Sarah is the Canaanite general, and he's losing. So he's fleeing. He's trying to escape. He ends up going um, in, uh, nearby the tent of this Israelite woman jail. Um, and uh, he, he comes by, and she says, come on into my tent, and you can basically hide here. And then he's like, I'm really thirsty. Could you give me some water? And he's like, she said, okay. But instead of giving him water, she gives him milk. Now, any of you guys that drink milk, particularly maybe at the end of the day, you know, later in the day, milk can make you sleepy. Well, that's w- what worked for Cicero. And so he drinks this milk, and then he instantly falls asleep. And then what's, what Jail does is she takes—again, I apologize. This is this is PG-13 now, folks, but it is the Bible. She takes a tent, uh, tent spike and hammers this spike through the side of this guy's head mm. um, and— uh, and then, then the the army commanders come by, and and you know they said, hey, well, where's the Sarah? And she says, well, let me show you. And there's this this bo- this body there with the tent tent peg um, going through its head. But um, this the, the the story, and as the Israelites would hear this story and kind of retell this story, they would see how God is at work through men and women, these heroes. But even this this woman, and you know the, the 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 person that killed the the foreign general that had been impressing his wife was this this woman and i think i think for any of us today we can say god can work through anybody and god often we see this in the book of judges god often works through unexpected people in unexpected ways and so that's just that's just what we should assume with god that he is um he is just doing some uh, wonderfully creative things in this case to deliver the the people from the uh, Canaanite oppressors.
0: So does God approve of the spike in the head thing?
1: <laughs> well, again, the, the text never makes that clear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think the way the story is framed, she seems to be a positively portrayed character. Um, and, and I think, um, you know, later on, uh Deborah is viewed Deborah and Barak are, are viewed favorably I'm trying to think of other places the jail um ends up being referred to in the bible but um i think again it's not explicit but i do think um god is approving of this and i think part of that is the sto- her story is told and it's really clear that well i mean the 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 chapter 4 kind of concludes on that day, God subdued King Jabin of, Can- of the Canaanites, um, and so God is the one that is at work through in all these stories and, and through all these incidents, through the life, the leadership of Deborah, um, the military, the director, military directorship of Barak, and through this this woman, Jael, who killed the foreign general.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it is interesting to see the way God works through these women it's fascinating. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. it it is wonderful. And again, um, you know, God does again, that's just kind of the story of, of scripture, God you know, is working uh well and and you know, we, we, we many of us today are more familiar with kind of how how God might be working through men and women, unexpected people mm-hmm. um today, but in the world of the Old Testament, uh it was very patriarchal. And uh so you wouldn't expect um women to be kind of military heroes, uh uh like you, you see um with Deborah in jail. So it's uh it's wonderful, it's un- unexpected, but um I, I I think it makes for a great story.
0: hmm My guest is Dr. David T. Lamb. He's the McRae Professor of Old Testament and Dean of the faculty at Missio Seminary. We're gonna take a little break. When we come back, I'm gonna ask David about Gideon. I think he was more of the reluctant deliverer, and we're going to find out why Gideon was so reluctant. We'll take a short break and be right back with David Lamb. with dr david lamb and we're he is a McRae professor of old testament dean of the faculty at missio seminary and david before we jump back into the book of judges and ask about we talk about gideon i'm curious during the break i was thinking about how the old testament is it being preached in churches today very much and how does the old testament inform modern church planting around the world
1: yeah, those are great questions. I, I, um, uh, I've i been given a couple of books, and actually I'm in the process of endorsing a book right now that talks about basically how the Old Testament is just being ignored or neglected. So I think it is a problem, and I think there's some reasons that are understandable. The Old Testament is, is big and long, and it's confusing, and you know, the G, it doesn't have Jesus. Um, so I think it can be confusing to people. Uh, and it does it takes work it does take um, work so i I understand that I empathize with folks that um, are struggling, and i think I think it doesn 't probably get preached on as much as uh the gospels or the the epistles of paul and I, and I understand that um I do think it 's tragic because I, um, speaking of paul, um Paul was the one that said all scriptures inspired and profitable for teaching right and um and I think we are we are not profiting when we ignore. Um, well, and ignore any portion of this group of the scripture. Yeah. but I think of um, the Old Testament is it's almost it's over three quarters of the Bible, and there's so much that we learn about God, about worship in the Psalms. We learn about forgiveness. We learn about um, God's grace, God's presence, um, and, and just and uh, how He delivered His people, and how He was slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And I, 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 it, it breaks my heart, um, but yes, I think that is true. Um, and and just, I think hopefully pastors and teachers and preachers, people who teach Sunday school, any of you guys are te- Sunday school teachers, I hope you enjoy, give people a love for the Old Testament, because as we fall in love with the whole Bible, not just the New Testament or the Gospels or Paul, as we fall in love with all of Scripture, again, we're going to profit but the big profit is we're, we're going to be moved into a deeper relationship with the God of the whole Bible.
0: Thank you for that, David. That was uh, that was outstanding. Let's talk about Gideon now. We're going to jump into Judges uh, chapters six, 6 through 9, uh, and let's talk about why Gideon was s- so reluctant.
1: You know, I mean, it, it's an interesting thought. Um, Gideon, <laughs> you know, Again, if, if an angel were to appear to me while I was, you know, I don't know, maybe working in my yard, which yeah. is kind of what he's doing, he's 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 you know beating out the wheat, and this angel appears, you, I would think I would just do exactly what this angel said. But again, <laughs> in the Bible, that doesn't always happen. It's, it's another example. And I, I mean, the, the thing I love about Gideon is he's just really blunt. You know, um, God says uh, the God's angel says. The Lord is with you, and Gideon's like, "Yeah, but if the Lord is with me, why is all this bad stuff happening?" And he's just really blunt, and I I can appreciate that. I think one of the things we we see a lot in the Bible is people that are close to God can be honest with God. Mm -hmm. We see the Psalmist a lot as well. But then um, the the angel shifts gears and says, "Look, God is going to bring you up. Um, He's going to use you to deliver uh, my His people." from the Midianites. And Gideon just says, no, that's not going to happen. I'm the the weakest in my clan. I'm the smallest in my family. And then God says, you know what? It doesn't matter. I I love this. God doesn't say, no, Gideon, you're big and strong, which is what (laughs) I might do. a It doesn't matter. I mean, it's almost like the, the Angel kind of like, yeah, I think that's probably true. You are like the weakest in your family. I don't know, uh, but the angel doesn't it doesn't it doesn't matter whether you're the biggest or the strongest um, uh, or the weakest in your family. What matters is God is with you. um and but Gideon is just he just continues to be reluctant, and you know he has to he, he needs a a test of the fleece um, and then um the the kind of the last level. There's a, God gives God speaks to Gideon through one of the Midianite dreams. Gideon and his servants sneak down into the Midianite um, camp, and they oh, they they're listening at the tent. This is the sort of thing you would see in a film, right? This this would be a great movie. They're overhearing this guy's dream, and this the guy had a dream that like a big donut or bagel or something <laughs> rolled into the camp. And they, the the guy goes, Well that's the bagel of Gideon or the 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 the, the, the 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 bread the bread of Gideon and and God has given us the Midianite is speaking, God has given us into the hands of the Israelites because of Gideon and, and God Gideon realizes, Okay, God is gonna use me. But um I think God often uses or chooses reluctant People, uh, Gideon was reluctant. Moses was certainly reluctant. I mean, Moses, read Exodus three and four. Moses was just—he kept throwing up. Well, you know, God, who are you? Who am I? Um, I? You know, God. Moses says, "I can't speak." Well, and then God finally gets mad. Jeremiah is reluctant in Jeremiah chapter one. Jeremiah kind of keeps saying, "Well, I'm, you know, I can't speak, or I'm—I'm I'm only a lad." Um, and then Isaiah. In chapter 6 of Isaiah, when God's calling Isaiah, Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. So God often picks people who seem to be unworthy on on some level. And um, and I think, I don't know, I think there's something wonderful about that. Because we know that it isn't because of Gideon's awesomeness or Moses' awesomeness or Jeremiah's awesomeness, or Isaiah's awesomeness. It's because of God's awesomeness that the mission is going to be accomplished. And in each of these, um, scholars would call these call narratives, in each of these call stories, the the, the promise that God makes is, I will be with you, and you will do it. And I think for any of us who are, you know, maybe God is calling you to I don't know, teach a Sunday school class or start a small group or go on a a short-term mission or maybe go on a longer-term mission. I don't know where God is calling any of you guys to, um, any of the listeners to. But if you're feeling a bit unworthy, read over some of these call narratives and listen to the God's voice as God speaks to these individuals about saying, it's okay to feel a little, it's okay to feel unworthy because yeah. On one level, you probably are unworthy. <laughs> At least I know I am, <laughs> but it doesn't matter because, you know, we are following a powerful God, the God of the universe, the God who created the, the, the heavens and earth in seven days. And if he's with us, what he is calling us to do will happen. And so I, I, I love reading Gideon's story. And, we, you know, we see how God works through Gideon, and, and it's just pretty amazing victory over the Midianites. Um, and again, it's it's kind of a, a Sunday school um, story that people are probably familiar with. But the, the, the implications and the lessons that Gideon offers us are just so profound.
0: It's so interesting, David, to think that the starting line on Team Reluctant would be Gideon, Moses, and Jeremiah. Mm. To me, that's yeah, encouraging that's, to all of that's us. That's
1: pretty good yeah, that's a pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, Gideon, Moses, <laughs> Jeremiah, Isaiah. Let's throw on one more, and that'll be our that'll be our our, our front court in, in basketball. That's our exactly our five starters. Right? Exactly. So this is a well, and you know, and uh, Peter too, right? The, um, you know, uh, uh, Peter, Peter, you know, when when with the fish, you know, um, you know, we we can't, we fished all night and nothing happened, and uh, you know, uh, Peter was. Peter, with in the spirit of these these other four, all of whom were, on some level, just profoundly not feeling worthy. Yeah, and I think that's a great point, Bill.
0: Yeah, it's encouragement. It's encouragement to all of us. All right, let's yeah. stick with Gideon here just for a second, um, David, because we we have kind of heroic Gideon in Judges chapter eight, which kind of becomes idolatrous Gideon. Explain that.
1: Yeah, and this is this is really kind of I I I did my master's thesis on on the life of Gideon, and it really just kind of breaks my heart because this guy who you know he was reluctant, and God used him, and he defeats the Midianites, and at the end after he has all these victories, they they tell Gideon, hey Gideon, we want to make you king, and Gideon says, no no. Um, you, I will me I will not rule and my son will not rule over you. The Lord, Yahweh will rule over you. Um, and it's like, wow, that's so great. But then just a couple of verses later, we find out that um, he makes this um, uh, idol, basically, and they end up kind of worshiping it. Um, and he he kind of falls into idolatry. and then he names one of his sons, Abimelech, and I'm I'm assuming most listeners are not um, not Hebrew scholars, Abimelech basically means, my father is king. (laughs) So he named his son, my father is king, Abimelech. Wow. And it's just, the thing that's sad for me is, um, one of my seminary professors used to say, throughout church history and in the Bible, few leaders finish well. And that's a sobering lesson. And getting, I think, illustrates it. Um, Solomon, the same thing happens with Solomon. But we we always need to be focusing on our relationship with God and always be keeping ourselves humble and realizing that God is our source and um, and n- not our own success or the things that we have done well in our life. And mm-hmm. it, um, getting is a, a warning.
0: Yeah. All right, David, let's uh, move Few chapters forward, let's go up to Judges eleven and the sacrifice of Jephthah. What actually happened there?
1: Yeah, so this is a this is a strange story. Um, Jephthah, well, I read read Judges eleven, um, and and you can find out kind of more about J- J- Jephthah has kind of a um, an unorthodox background. We'll put it that way, but he makes a vow that. If God gives him the, the victory, he will sacrifice whatever comes out of his, his front door, mm-hmm. whatever he sees coming out. And uh, he, I think he just assumes he's going to see an animal or, um, you know, I don't know, <laughs> um, probably not a pig, but uh, a, a cow or a sheep or something. I don't know. And lo and behold, his daughter comes out to greet him from his victory, and according to his vow he would need to sacrifice his daughter. And he is devastated. I can't believe he did this. Um, And um, scholars are a little bit divided on what actually happened. Did he actually do this, or did somehow he get out of sacrificing his daughter? Um, And I'm not 100 percent certain, but at least the way I read the text, it makes it seem like he actually sacrificed his daughter Mm. to fulfill this vow, which is just deeply, deeply troubling to me. And the thing I would say is um, at that point in time, he should have just said, I'm not going to fulfill my vow um, because uh, this is a precious life uh um uh my daughter is is made in the image of God and this is I am not going to fulfill this but uh, it 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 sure seems like he did which it's just a just a deeply troubling story
0: yeah it really is i'm certain that he thought an animal was going to be the first thing out of his house cuz he yeah. wouldn't have made this vow yeah. thinking that his daughter was at risk no. why doesn't no, god no intervene yeah that's a great question
1: that's a great question. And, yeah. and I think, um, I mean, this is the sort of thing that we can all, of all, because each of us, all of us have probably had some kind of experience in our life where um, a, a loved one dies tragically in a car accident or because or of cancer in their 20s or 30s, and we just think, God, why didn't you step in? We're, and then there are these other times where God very clearly steps in and, and intercedes, um, heals a friend, protects us. From a dangerous situation, and we kind of go, "Well, God was clearly at work there," and that's a, that's just a really hard question. I do think God does give us freedom, and sometimes um, it's it's it, you know, for any of us who are parents, we realize that there comes a time where you do actually have to allow your children to make mistakes. And, you know, it's like when you take the training wheels off the the, the bicycle, there's a possibility that they will have a bike accident. Um, and God does. He literally kind of um, takes the training wheels off of all of us and mm-hmm. allows us to make, um, you know, make mistakes. And sometimes the mistakes are minor, and other times they're catastrophic and really tragic. And God, why does God not... Why does God not step in with Jephthah's daughter like He does with Abraham in Genesis 22, where you know the angel of the Lord stops the right, the night. right? It's, you, know, uh, it's, you know, as you know as as um, Abraham is bringing it down to sacrifice Isaac. Um, I I don't know. Yeah, I think God does give us that freedom.
0: David, let me let me take one more break. When we come back, I want to sure. ask you about Samson and why God would use such a flawed individual. And the listener jumped in with the question, was Samson physically scrawny or very muscular like Rambo? I'm guessing <laughs> okay. more like Rambo. We'll be right back. <laughs> okay. C. Lamb is my guest, and he is a McRae Professor of Old Testament, Dean of the Faculty at Missio Seminary. And, uh, David, I appreciate you doing such a nice job of explaining some of these difficult and challenging Old Testament passages. And, you know, there's no money involved in this, just so you know. I know you know <laughs> oh, that. Oh, I'm devastated. No, I know, no, I know. Okay. That's why I tell you, like, close to the end of the hour, because this, this could have sidetracked <laughs> I'm <outta> you. out of here. <laughs> Don't you dare. All right. Um, let's talk about Samson. Now, he's a flawed individual. Why would God use such a flawed person?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the the reality is that um, God always uses flawed people. And this is one of the things that I, I spent a lot of time thinking about, that we, we like to think of the heroes that we encounter on the pages of Scripture as really heroic and saintly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think there's a time and a place to focus on that. And I think Hebrews 11 does a great job of focusing on the the faithfulness of the Old Testament heroes. But the reality is the Bible and old and new, I mean, even Peter doesn't always look great in in the New Testament, and and the disciples actually don't look very good in many situations. Um, They seem to be clueless um, in the New Testament. And likewise, the the heroes of the Old Testament— um, are uh, often more, you know, we, we see the sinful side of them more than we see the saintly side of them. And Samson is just another in that series. I think we're we're maybe aware of this more just because he, he doesn't seem particularly pious. Um, he's always kind of, you know, ripping apart lions and kind of killing people with his bare hands. He does some things with foxes that we would, that would probably not be approved by the you know, the, the Society for the Protection of uh, Cruelty to Animals, you know, that uh, he just does a lot of crazy things. Um, but then he does seem to be particularly, um, I mean, the area of his struggle is his libido, his, his sex drive. He's, <laughs> he's always kind of getting into troubles with these foreign women. And, um, and you think, God, why are you doing this? Um, but I do think the, 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 the takeaway for me is, again, this is just a, yet another way that God uses an unexpected person. We saw some of these these women, this jail um, mm-hmm. in chapter 4 of, of Judges, um, uh, this left-handed guy in chapter 3, this reluctant guy in chapter 6. Um, uh, and Jephthah has got his own issues and problems. You can read about that in chapter 11. But Samson has got a different batch of problems. But God still works through him in just an, an amazing way, and I think that that's just kind of how God works. That He, it's we're we're not left thinking, well, the reason that Samson was so amazing, was so effective, was because of his amazingness. But it's because, well, um, the text makes it really clear that um, the Spirit of the Lord. Was upon him. This is um, Judges thirteen twenty five. Then God is doing something dramatic, and a couple other places in chapter fourteen it shows up a couple times. In chapter fifteen, the Spirit of the Lord God came upon him and empowered him. Um, so I'll, I'll go to this question: Was 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 Samson scrawny, or was he like Rambo? I haven't ever thought about this. Um, so I, it's a really interesting question. So we'll we'll think about. Is it was he Pee Wee Herman or Rambo? <laughs> mm-hmm. let's, we got we got to, Let's be consistent here okay. with our um, uh, movie movie metaphors. So, um, I mean, there, there's part of me. I, I I think my my initial answer right away would just be he's got to be more like Rambo. Mm-hmm. But let's just work on this scrawny Pee Wee Herman thing for just a moment at least. There would be something to be said, and the text does not give us a lot of information. Um, you know, we know that his hair grows long, but it doesn't. It doesn't tell us he was tall um, like Saul um, or, you know, he was as big as Goliath. We don't get a lot of that kind of physical descriptions that we get through some of these other characters. So, you know, there's part of me that is almost attracted to the idea that he might have been scrawny, but then even more so that when God's spirit came upon him, he became like, maybe like um, Bruce Banner, the Hulk. Oh, yeah. you know that that there's that this this transformation that takes place with the Hulk. And again, I don't I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but the key for Samson wasn't his own strength. And my guess is he probably was probably a a, a strong man, but the key wasn't his strength. The key was God was with him, and he had was fulfilling his Nazarite vows. He wasn't drinking, and he wasn't having his hair cut. Um, and so those were the things that, kind of the symbols of God being with him, which got him into trouble with, with Delilah. So um, yeah, I think th- that's that's how I'm seeing the story of Samson.
0: Mm-hmm. What about Samson's suicidal victory over the Philistines? Is that a good thing?
1: Yeah, I mean... This is, again, another troubling story. Oh, it is. And the, the text never says—the text never praises Samson for kind of how he decides to kill himself. But it is clear that God was at work in this scenario, that God was using um, the fact that, well, he, he was not loyal, he was not obedient to his vows— and so he lost his power. The Philistines were able to, um, to tie him up and, um, and keep him captive. But God had basically abandoned him. And, um, but then there was this period of time where he, his, his hair had grown back, his strength had grown back. Um, and, you know, he prayed at the end of, verse, end, end of chapter 16, oh, Lord God, remember me and strengthen me only this once that I may, with this one act of revenge, pay back the Philistine for my, Philistines from my eyes. So it's an act of vengeance. It's not sort of a, a holy thing, but it is clear that God is answering that prayer and using him to bring the victory over the Philistines, um, in the, uh, Israel's enemies. And so, uh, yeah. So I think I think God is at work in that.
0: Yeah. All right, just to get off the book of Judges because we just have a minute left. Had a number of questions came in from listeners, and we don't have time, sure. unfortunately. But this one popped in one of the first. What is being referred to in Ezekiel thirty four fifteen and sixteen as fat sheep?
1: Um, uh, I think that's going to be yeah. The the the, um, the, the, she, the 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 sheep are going to be um, basically how. The people there are being kind of provided for, but there are going to be the shepherds who are taking advantage of the sheep. And they're – I mean there's kind of a a little bit of a mixed metaphor that the the shepherds become the sheep. But basically these are the leaders – a little bit like um, Eglon we saw earlier. Mm -hmm. These are people that are getting rich and wealthy and fat. Um, um, by exploiting and taking advantage of the people that they should be caring for. It'd be like a, a shepherd who just, instead of caring for the sheep, they keep, you know, at the end of each day, they, they kill another sheep and have a big feast at the end of the day. It's like, well, that's, sh- that flock is going to get pretty small, pretty fast.
0: Mm-hmm. David, thank you so much for doing the show. It's always, you're always so fun to talk to.
1: Uh it's my my pleasure, uh, Bill. I really I really enjoy um, chatting about the Bible with you, Al.
0: Yeah, well, thank you so much. I know my listeners really enjoy it. You can always head over to davidtlam.com, learn more about David and his books. And that wraps up our show for the day. If you have not said, you know what, I, don't, I want to get one of those Fields of Gold book giveaway, you can head over to myfaithradio.com. We've got a number of copies still left. You can Say, I'd like one of those. Let, let us know you'd like one. That wraps up our show. I want to thank Rob Bluey, and uh, Mary Chung March and David T. Lamb for making this such a great show. I hope you enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to our time already tomorrow. Have a great night, everyone.